Mark Hockman. My favorite ice cream truck treat is Cheetos. Channing Crowder. Hey, hey, Sugarfoot. I wake up, I piss excellence. Alejandro Solana. February. You sound like asthma. I'm naked right now. All right. And moving on. Sports. Someone texts in, they want to know if you'll honk your horn. How about that? Now, why did Deerfield Beach proclaim a Channing Crowder day? No idea. Don't throw eggs in my house, Crowder. More sports. Give me that donkey button and big old legs. I ain't too proud of big. No, I would never do-do here at the station. The most sports. You telling me you don't want to grab a beer in the middle of the night? And you know what I want for Hanukkah? I want a cameo from Aiken and Dove. The Hawkman and Crowder extravaganza begins now. We're gonna start this thing over at Duval in the money log and have come on, I come on. Hey, 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 do it, baby, take it, baby. Yeah, Wednesday episode of the Hockey Crowder Show. Crowder is back. Are you at Adam Schefter's house? That's what that looks like behind. Like it looks like Adam Schefter's house when he goes on TV. You got the books and like football memorabilia up there. How are you, Crowder? I'm good. This is actually my house with uh, underwhelming memorabilia up there. So I think Shefty probably has me, and these books have never been read. They're just for looks. No, I think you've got Shefty because you actually played the game. Like, Shefty's just a nerd who's been covering football for like 20 years. You played the game. You got him beat. Well, thank you, Dono. I have a, a Lawrence Taylor helmet. It's probably my best one I have signed by him, and I watched him do it. But it was nothing of me. It's Lawrence damn Taylor. Uh, that's my prized possession. I love that. And I'm it was a pleasant surprise for me that Crowder is back on the show today because Hawk, he's still, I think he's still down in Aruba. Solana, Solana is a little soft. Like we were because I, I did the show with Solana last Friday and he was telling me off air about like, you know, he works all these extra evenings for the heat games and all the traveling he did for the Dolphins. So he's like, I gotta get this all-star break off. Like he it was very, very important for Solana to get a couple of days off, you know. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So the only guy, the permanent fixture of the Hawk and Crowder show, the only one who has any work ethic is Channing Crowder. Because, you know, you, you you do the pivot as well. I don't hear you complaining like Solana does about all the extra work you do. Oh, Donald, you know, uh, you know, Hawk doesn't take much time. I give Hawk that credit. But Solana, you know these new kids. Donald, they think they're born as CEOs. They don't want right. to work. Yeah, give me, just give me a company, mommy. Daddy, I want a company. <laughs> That's what they do, man. I don't know about them, Don. <laughs> man, I love it. You know, it's. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of conversations throughout the show today about the Dolphins and Tua. I don't know, Crowder, if you've watched any ESPN today. I, I, I think I watched like two hours of ESPN this morning, and they keep showing the same stuff over again, but they're, they're doing like a whole feature today on the Miami Dolphins. And a big topic of conversation is what do you do long-term with Tua? Right, because he is eligible this offseason for a long term deal. I would highly doubt that they, you know, that they give that to him right now. You could also, the Dolphins could pick up his fifth year option. He's heading into the fourth year. Now, Marcel Louis Jacques, who covers the Dolphins for ESPN, I was reading what he wrote today about Tua, and, and in his opinion, he's not even sure if they should extend uh, or pick up the fifth year option right now, see how the fourth year goes first. A lot of people are, are hesitant to obviously, you know, at this point, negotiate a new long-term deal with Tua. Personally, Crowder, 
I would pick up the fifth year option uh, because that would lock him in for about $23 million for year five, which is still by quarterback. Uh, and Robert Griffin III was saying that also today on ESPN. That's still a bargain. I mean, even for a guy who's got some injury risks, when you consider Deshaun Watson is making like $46, $47 million a year, if you could lock Tua up for that fifth year at $23 million, and then you figure out after next season if you want to negotiate the long-term extension, that's probably the way that I would approach this. Oh, Donald, I'm with you 100%. Lock him in. $23 million for a quarterback, that's yeah. th that's like backup wages right now. Guys are making 50. Lamar's about to get 50 for the first four years. Patrick Mahomes is making 50 for the next damn 10 years. Like, $23 million is not a lot of money. You lock him in. It is a very it, – it's a situation I've never seen before. And I've been around a lot of football, Donald. I know you have too. I've never seen this situation where it's a young guy that's injured. It's always the older guy. Can he hold up? Is is he on the downhill of his career? Are we going to lock him in and catch him? You know, right before he retires, two is a young guy, but he's a he has MVP talent. We watched it through that for about a month and a half period, about six weeks, where he was right there talking about with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in the MVP race. It is a different situation than some I've ever seen. You lock him in, give yourself more time. Now you have this yeah. year and the following year to really evaluate what he's doing. But you know, on the other uh, side uh, of that, Dono, yeah. you approach him as not being here in two years. So you try to set yourself yeah. up for Tua not to be here. And if he's here, if you do draft a guy, maybe that guy has some trade value then. You bring in a quarterback to replace Tua and then decide what to do with that guy if Tua does work out. Now, the only thing that tempts me a little bit is, uh, I don't know if you read these comments from Caleb Williams, USC, who just won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Yeah, he's back at USC next year, so I think he'd be a 2024 draft guy. He came out and said he likes the Miami Dolphins. Like that That's a team that he, I mean, very disrespectful to Tua, I'm sure Tuanon <laughs> would say, but Caleb Williams says that that's the team he think would be the best fit for him with the skill position talent and the type of offense that they run. And so, you know, I, I highly doubt uh, the Dolphins will be bad enough this coming season to be able to draft them because that's probably going to cost you like a number one, maybe number two overall pick to draft Caleb Williams. But if the Dolphins do find themselves sucking for whatever reason this coming season, maybe Tua can't stay healthy this year. You know, the man who just won the Heisman Trophy says he'd love to be a Dolphin. Donald, I think the Dolphins are way too talented to be in the top five. You bring in Vic Fangio think, right? with all these players on defense, like they're going to be – at worst, they're going to be a 500 team. I really do believe that. <laughs> Whenever you say no disrespect to somebody, you're going to disrespect them. So I'm going to say it. No disrespect to Tua. I met Caleb Williams at the Michael Rubin Fanatic Super Bowl party. The first thing I said to him, Dono, I walked up. I was like, hey, man, congratulations. You know, you're a hell of a player. And I looked him up and down, and I said, "Damn, you're big. He is oh, a really? solid. He's a solid young man. He's about. He's my height. You know, all of six three, thick. Yeah. You know, he's a big dude. Like standing next to him, standing next to Tua are two different things, and that's the disrespect to Tua. Tua is not a big human being. So Caleb has the skill, obviously Heisman Trophy winner, and I think he's a sturdier human being. And I'm saying that with him coming off an injury, but he looks the part. I'll say it that yeah. way." I don't know if it's Caleb Donald, but it has to be somebody in the pipeline when you're dealing with a guy that has MVP talent but has, you know, injury risk. And it's not even – I don't know if risk anymore. It's injury history. Like, it's there. How do you deal with that? This is – this is – we Chris Greer has done a, a very good job, I'd say, bringing his team together. This is a bridge that Chris Greer 
I say his career is going to go off of how, how do they deal with these next two years with Tua. 100%. So someone else with MVP talent and an injury history is Dan Day. Dan, good afternoon to you, sir. Uh, this may feel like morning for you because I would imagine after Mardi Gras with someone who, you know, celebrates uh, as much as a New Orleans guy like yourself does, you're probably a little hungover today. How are you? Well, I mean, I think I have some talent. My injury history is just the damage that I do to my liver. So that's all the in injury history I have. <laughs> Dan, oh, do, you celebrate, on, do you celebrate Mardi Gras when you're not in New Orleans still? Yeah, oh, come on, man. Yeah, it's Mardi Gras around the world. <laughs> it's not, though. Crowder, you should have seen this dude yesterday. I'm doing the show with Dan yesterday. We came in from every commercial break with, like, random, like, street New Orleans music, like Mardi Gras jazz he had like for for the video stream. He had like all this Mardi Gras stuff written on his profile, and he was wearing you know New Orleans colors. He had beads on. He kept flashing me his uh, you know his uh, his pecs during every commercial. He was all in. <laughs> One of the worst decisions I made, and not knowingly made, was deciding to leave UF and go train in New Orleans for the NFL Combine. And the Combine's Ooh. coming up early next month, so you think about it. This is 20-year-old Channing Crowder in New Orleans, supposed to be, quote-unquote, working out, but I'm, I'm, I'm living in the French Quarter during Mardi Gras time. I got no work in. I would have went higher in the draft. Me and Justin Miller, he's a cornerback out of Clemson that went to the New York Jets second round. We ruined our draft status because of New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans kills careers. We got we uh, got the penthouse on what's the big street? Not um not Bourbon. What's the big street there, Dan? Right at, right where Bourbon touches Canal. That's it, Canal. We got the penthouse on Bourbon and Canal, and all we had to Gosh. do was walk downstairs, take a right, walk down Bourbon once, come back, and we had a group of people ready to come to the penthouse. It was it was a great time, but it wasn't advantageous to my career. <laughs> yeah, he should have gone to Idaho or something. Not, I'm not telling New Orleans. You. Sarasota. Some guys went to Sarasota. Sarasota. I think I, I should have been a Sarasota guy. Uh, oh, my God. Well, what do we have going on uh, today, Dan Day? You're welcome, Crowder. <laughs> I had a good time, Dan. Thank you. These headlines are brought to you by the new Palmetto Ford Truck Super Center. Why buy your truck at a car store? Palmetto Ford, we know trucks. The Hurricanes men's basketball team, they won their seventh in a row last night, downing a Virginia Tech 76-70. Norchad O'Meara led the team with 17 points and 14 rebounds. They're going to place Florida State at home Saturday. You know, Crowder, I only fill in on the show like once in a blue moon or whenever Hawk takes a vacation, but... I'm pretty sure my record of giving out gambling advice is I've given out more winners than Hawk when Hawk is here almost every day because I, I told people, and, and Dan can attest to this, and I, I told him when I locked in the bet, I was looking throughout the show yesterday, Miami, who had won six straight ACC games uh, against a really mediocre Virginia Tech team, Miami was getting three points. Uh, Virginia Tech was favored by three points. It was nonsensical. I took advantage of the disrespect to the Miami Hoops team. It was actually at Miami plus two and a half for most of the show. And then after the show, I saw Miami plus three. I jumped on that Crowder. So I'm I'm going to be in Aruba with Hawk by the end of the day today with the way this is going. You, It's not hard to be better than Hawk. Have you seen two for the money? With the guy that started gambling <laughs> on Lang. a coin? Brandon yes, Lang. Brandon Lang. Yeah.
I think I think Hawks gambles with a coin sometimes. He is so bad at gambling. And yes, you call me next time you have a you have you have something going on. Should have. But Donald, Sorry. number thirteen, number thirteen in the nation, twenty three and five. Coach L got them boys playing down in Coral Gables. And Omir, we saw it because we went down. We we broadcasted live from the Duke game, the last home Duke game. They are out. They're outsized. Like Duke was gigantic compared to them. But they whooped their ass, Dono. Like this team and O'Meara, that's why I bring it up because uh, Dan brought up O'Meara leading the team. He's not that big, but he is damn athletic, and he gets down there and wrestles with them monsters. UM's going to say – I can't wait for this March Madness because I think UM got some got a chance. Speaking of the Canes, I should mention, at, at around uh, 220, we're going to talk with Gary Furman from Kane Sport because Miami's got a new running backs coach. Tim Harris Jr. is in. Uh, there are reports now that uh, Leonard Hankerson, who's actually coaching receivers with the 49ers, has interviewed for the Miami Hurricanes wide receivers job. We can talk maybe a little hoops uh, with Gary as well. So Gary's going to join us at 320. And then Crowder, we're going to get some soccer talk in later this hour as well. Thomas Rongan, who does color commentary for Inter Miami, he's going to join us because they've got their season opener this coming weekend. So I guess I'm going to have to get my ass up to Fort Lauderdale to drive Pink Stadium for that. Get you some Google. You saw um, Goldie where he put the whole little kit on. No, he, Gold, Goldie is a, a full kit. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I, I feel like the next word that comes after full kit, it may be like something you shouldn't say in Britain, but maybe okay to say in America. But I'm still not going to say it. <laughs> he, I saw a, a picture, saw a picture on Twitter. He had on the jersey, he had on the shin guards, he had on the high socks, he had on the. <laughs> The Daisy Dukes with his man almost falling out. Yeah, he had on the whole thing. I said, oh, Donna, you try it. I can't do it. Good for Goldie. Pants aren't long enough. Show it off. <laughs> <laughs> the Kings baseball team, they defeated Stetson 11-2 to last night. Tonight, it is Indiana State. The Sycamores are in town for first pitch at 6 o'clock. That's a pretty good uh, – a couple of good uh, mascots in a row. The, the the Stetson Mad Hatters and then the Indiana State Sycamores, and hopefully the Canes destroy them the way they did to Stetson last night. Yes. The Panthers are just barely in the last wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, and they prepare to continue their push Friday when they host the Sabres at 7. Okay. They used to always do Star Wars night when they played the Sabres because, mm. like, I think it was because the lightsabers. But now they're doing the Star Wars game against Nashville for some reason. I, I can't can't quite figure that one out. But, uh, you know, Crowder, we all, always used to say in recent years, you know, when the Panthers were fighting for a playoff spot, they always had all those games in hand. This year, all the teams they're competing with have games in hand. So they, they cannot afford to slip up. They got to keep winning. At least we did something different this year. We're always the game in hand guy. Let's run from the back. Yeah. I actually like it because we've <laughs> been so excited about the Panthers with these damn games in hand. I don't want the games in my hand. I don't even want them to have hands. Fight to the last minute. Get ready. <laughs> well, it's like you talk about games in hand, but then the hand is uh, Chris Elliott's hand in Scary Movie 2. Do you remember? <laughs> Grab my strong hand. <laughs> he, was, he, was mix, he was mixing a potato salad. That's a nasty yes. movie. That is a nasty movie. <laughs> Oh, man. What else we got, Dan? Yeah, just want to make a quick note. The Hawks have fired head coach Nate McMillan and are searching for a new coach. The lead candidate is said to be former jazz coach Quinn Snyder. Okay. As long as you're not trying to take someone off Eric Spolster's staff, I'm good with it. He ain't going to fix the Hawks. Hawks are, <laughs> Hawks are ugly. <laughs> Trey Young is there. Are they going to fix Trey Young's hairline? They're not going to fix his hair. His, his line is okay, Donald. It's the rest. That's right. It's like, That's it's, right. I, he, so he the line like, is great, but it's thin. 
Yeah, he has like a third of the follicles everybody else has. His, his, his hair is placed like a Cabbage Patch doll. Mm. Just you can, <laughs> you can see the gaps. It's weird. <laughs> Let's go somewhere nice. Let's step into the day spa. Hey. <sighs> Former Hustler cover model, Tierra Tay, has been arrested oh. in connection of shooting up a brothel near Las Vegas. Whoa. A lot of hot any mess. any any reason like what any idea of the motive she got into an argument with another lady and decided to start shooting the place up was she working at the brothel uh, yeah dono i was gonna say i think when you shoot up a brothel yeah. there's some business there's some business action between the two man i mean you don't I, just say i'm mad let me find the brothel i wouldn't know where yeah. the brothel was you have to know where it is to shoot it up dono she's been there what does the world come to that brothels are no longer a safe space oh. this is it's an ugly world to live in now. Keep that in mind. Maybe from, from gunfire, not STDs. <laughs> it's always been scary. <laughs> oh, hopefully happily endings for everyone. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, as you uh, for, for the, anyone watching this back on YouTube, I'm, uh, I'm inside the faux indoor practice facility. Uh, we are going to talk some hurricanes with Gary Furman from Kane Sport. He's the publisher of Canesport.com. Miami's got a running backs coach, Tim Harris Jr. I'm actually seeing Crowder's face reminds me, Crowder, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that Charlie Strong is no longer on the staff because I'm a big fan of Coach Strong. I was I was sad you know, to see that he's moving on. They messed him over. Yeah. You have a championship national championship defensive coordinator in the building and don't even interview him when the job becomes open you disrespect chuck chuck hits it on you chuck good luck because miami messed over charlie strong i'm riding with that the rest of my life I, they got they got the raging cajun lance gidry i mean they, they, they wanted gidry they went out and got him so we are going to talk with gary Furman from kane sport when we come back, Alex Dono and Channing Crowder, and we got our guy Dan Day. Just took that trip to the day spa here on the Hawk and Crowder Show, AM560 Sports, WQAM. This is the Hawk and Crowder Show. <laughs> Hawk and Crowder. It was a situation where it's very, very hard to cover Mario Cristobal coaching searches because he talks to so many people, interviews so many people, and the minute you think somebody's emerging as a leading candidate, they really aren't. So, uh, you know, we, we tread carefully. But uh, as far as Tim Harris, I think he checks a few boxes. Number one, he's an alumnus of the University of Miami. And I think so one of the things that Mario very much would like to do where he can is start getting some alumni coaches involved in the program. Now, you know, he's not going to uh, compromise the quality of a coach and the ability of the coach, particularly as a recruiter, but if he can check those two things off and hire somebody that attended the University of Miami, uh, I think he's going to do it. And I, and I think it's a good thing because those are the guys that are going to work the most passionately at their job. Uh, the, you know, those are the guys that are going to be in the building 15 to 18 hours a day and are going to put their hearts into what they're doing. And uh, I'm not sure he had that with everybody on his initial staff at Miami. Uh, and I think you've seen – Several of those guys have pretty much been moved out now and, and, and are in the process of being replaced or have been replaced. So, um, you know, you talked about the job he did at Central Florida. He did. He did a very high-quality job at Central Florida. Uh, he's got a lot of connections in Dade County for recruiting. So I think when you put those things together, this made sense for Mario. 
And Gary, uh, defensively, I knew they were going to make a change. We we just we saw we saw the outcome. But in the running back room, like you talking about the recruiting side of this, and I actually asked Dono, I was like, "Is this Ice Harris?" And he was like, "No, it's a little Ice Harris. It's his son." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I knew I knew the name." But like, is this for recruiting, or do you believe the running backs really were ill prepared or underperformed last season, and this was a just hiring on the field? Uh, there's no question that the running backs, uh, you know, kind of underperformed like just about every everything else in, in the program last year, Ch- Ch- Channing. But uh, you know, I think this this is for recruiting. I, like I said, I think it's it's to get an, an alumnus involved. I'm not going to sit here, and I'm sure you guys won't either and say that uh, Tim Harris Jr. is the best running backs coach in America. Like, he doesn't have that kind of reputation at this point in his career. Uh, but I think that when you factor in the different things that Miami needs right now and the fact that, look, I mean, you, you, you can talk about this way better than me. I mean, running backs a position where – you know, guys either have it or they don't have it <laughs> in a lot of cases. Like, you know, there's obviously coaching that takes place at the running back position. You want guys to be able to pick up blitz checkups and things like that. But, like, you know, you either have talent or you don't have talent at this position. So this is one spot where you can use it in building a coaching staff to sort of accommodate some other initiatives and things that you would like as part of your overall program. And I think that's what they're doing here. Yeah, Gary, I was on a team where Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams were one and two. I used to laugh at the running back coach and say, he's a babysitter. Bro, what are, what are you there teaching you, there, those there, two? There, there you go. Yeah, you could have been coaching the running backs from your linebacker spot. <laughs> yes, oh, that's sir. That's great. Gary Furman, uh, publisher at canesport.com, is with us here on the Hawkman Crowder Show, AM560 Sports WQAM. And, uh, Gary, I certainly appreciate what you said uh, a little while ago about Cristobal coaching searches, that it's it's very hard to kind of handicap how these are going. Uh, now, with that in mind, Miami, they're looking to fill their wide receivers coach vacancy. Uh, is, is there any insight you can share on how that's going? And, and maybe do you get a sense uh, of the timetable? Do you think they can have a wide receivers coach by the end of the week? I don't know that they'll get it done by the end of the week or not. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a really, really, really important hire for Mario. Uh, you know, this, this supersedes the others. Uh, you know, you look at what's been going on at the wide receiver position in terms of recruiting in South Florida. Miami's been losing the, the best guys for many, many years. And uh, this is something that Mario must get fixed. Uh, he needs to hire somebody that – and recruit head-to-head with Alabama, recruit head-to-head with Georgia, recruit head-to-head with Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They can't keep losing the best players in South Florida to these schools, and you've got one in this next class in Jeremiah Smith, who's a wide receiver at uh, Hollywood Chaminade, who is just an absolute freak. I mean, like, this is like a, you know, I'm not going to say a generational talent because South Florida seems to produce so many of them, but, you know, this kid is Andre Johnson. This kid is Santana Moss. You know, this kid is going to be an absolute superstar, most likely at the college level. The University of Miami can't afford to lose him. And uh, these are the kind of players that Miami needs to do a better job with. And Mario has to find somebody that not only could coach up receivers, but uh, even more significantly can recruit against the best in the country and, and win. Because He's not getting Miami to where he wants to get to Miami if they're losing out on these type of kids. 
And Gary, speaking of recruiting and just speaking of, you know, the Mario looking for these coaches, they hired Lance Guidry as the D.C. And I'll be honest, I'm emotionally attached to this question, Gary, because I went to University of Florida to play for Charlie Strong. I didn't go for the Gators. I didn't go for Zook. I went for Charlie Strong. When he was in the building, I think that was an amazing asset. After one year, he decides to leave. I heard that he wasn't even given an interview as the D.C. What happened? Why is Charlie Strong and Cool Gamers? You know, Charlie has coached for a long time. He's been a head coach for a long time. He's made a lot of money. And I don't think Charlie Strong of today, this is my personal opinion, has the, the fire in his belly of the Charlie Strong of 20 years ago. And uh, I think Mario is very demanding of his coaches. I, I think they're expected to put in an enormous amount of time and hours and, and effort. And I'm not sure that at this stage of his career that that is Charlie Strong's wheelhouse. And, you know, when it came time to look for a defensive coordinator, I think a decision was made that the replacement is not inside the program, that we need to go outside the program to find the next defensive coordinator. Uh, so I think that's what happened there, uh, Channing. I, I, you know, I don't think it's disrespecting Charlie Strong at all. Uh, I, I think just at this, at this point of Charlie's career that it just wasn't a fit for what Mario wanted and what he needed. We're joined here uh, by, I think, I think Gary, you still there? Well, you cut out for a second. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Did, did you lose me? Oh, uh, just for yeah. a second, you're, you're back. Uh, Gary Furman, publisher at canesport.com, is with us here on the Hawk and Crowder Show. You know, Gary, uh, obviously Miami had a, a number of issues on the field last year, but, you know, one of the big issues they had was just so much inconsistency at quarterback, and part of that was Tyler Van Dyke getting hurt. But even before TBD got hurt, he wasn't having a great year by any stretch of the imagination before his injury. Uh, so coaching up the quarterbacks this year, uh, I think it's going to be really important. And Shannon Dawson is the new OC and the new quarterbacks coach. How do you think Tyler Van Dyke fits into his offense? And can we maybe see the 2021 version of TBD again? Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. This is a much better fit for Tyler Van Dyke. And uh, Dawson's a coach that can adapt his offense to his players. I mean, when he, um, he had the kid at Houston last year that was a great run-pass threat and put up ridiculous stats in running show. the football to, to what Tyler Van Dyke can do. Uh, but in, in, certainly in the passing game, uh, this guy can put together an offense that I think is much better suited for Tyler Van Dyke. And the, and the thing that we saw last year was everybody in that quarterback room regressed. I mean, that, you know, that told us right there that there were major, major problems there. You know, just the regression – that was taking place uh, at that position. So the two changes, great changes in my opinion. And Gary, speaking of the quarterback room too, and it's funny that you started with that he's, you know, um, he's adjustable. Dawson can figure it out, and that's one of his basic things because I've asked in the past too where you have Tyler Van Dyke, he's a pocket guy. Then you have Ja'Cory Brown, who is a damn athlete. And we know that coaches, I, w- I, w- I would say as a coach, I would love that, you know, pass threat, run threat option. Is he going to have a different offense for Tyler and, and, and Ja'Cory? How is he going to work that, or is he going to put his system in and y'all boys better learn it? I, I think that uh, Ja'Cory's role is going to be determined by how well Ja'Cory plays in spring practice. I mean, you know, Ja'Cory as an athlete and as a leader is unquestioned. Like, he's, he's really good in, in both ways. But uh, if you watch practice and you see him throwing the football, that's just not something – 
that last year he did very well. And, and when they decided to put him in games, it wasn't any different. You know, I mean, it, it, we didn't see anything in the games that we hadn't already seen on the practice field. And he's just not there as a passer to this point. Now, he's got a new coach, a new offense, and he'll have a clean slate. And he'll have a chance to, uh, to prove that he's better than that. But uh, so his role to me in this next season is going to be determined by how much he's able to improve as a passer uh, because you can't play football the way Miami tried to play football last year with watered-down offense and, and knowing that your quarterback can't throw the ball. Uh, so, you know, you have to protect them and things like that. Like, you're not going to win anything playing football like that. Gary, is the basketball team going to keep getting disrespected and underestimated because uh, they, they were three-point underdogs at Virginia Tech last night, easiest money I ever made, betting Miami plus three. Joe Lenardi had them at a at a five seed in the in the latest bracketology when they're very much in play to, to win the ACC here, and they've won seven games in a row. Uh, do you think this is a team that can make some serious noise in the tournament? 100%. They're built for the tournament. Uh, you know, if you look at their their starting five and then, the, you know, their, their shrunken bench that will come into play in the tournament, uh, they they are absolutely built for the tournament. The only concern that I have is uh, Norchad O'Meara's propensity to, A, get in foul trouble, and, B, have mental breakdowns during a game where he just doesn't get back on defense or something like that and gives up an easy basket. Um, the Achilles heel that I see is, is that they, they're almost too confident in their offense and a little too flippant on giving up easy points. And as the degree of difficulty gets greater uh, in these games and see, you know, down the stretch here in the ACC tournament and uh, then certainly in March Madness, uh, to me, that's where that's something that they're going to have to fight. Like, you know, every possession counts. Uh, there's a lot more clock stoppage. Uh, teams don't have to go as deep in their rotations and, and things like that. And there's a much greater premium on playing entire basketball games and, uh, you know, not giving up as many easy baskets. I mean, there's times where you watch them on defense and they're great. Like, they're locked down defenders. And then there's other times you watch them and they're, you know, they're it's like a layup fest. It's like you're thinking, like, what are they doing? Like, why is nobody playing defense? So they got they still got an upside, um, Alex. They really do. And, and uh, I think they're building up to the level – that they're going to want to be at uh, in the postseason. And I think they have a phenomenal chance in the NCAA tournament to go very, very deep. Gary, I asked Joe Zagacki this question. He ran away from it. I actually asked Coach L this question. He ran away from it. Who is the best player on UM's team? I, I'm assuming it's either Nigel Pack or Isaiah Wong. I'll tell you, the, the Jordan Miller is damn good, man. I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, he's not going to go out and score 18 points every game, but he'll score 18 when you need him to score 18. Uh, he'll, he's a playmaker. He's just, he's just rock solid in every way. Uh, me, if I'm building a basketball team, I'm starting with Jordan Miller because I can find guys that can shoot the ball. Uh, you know, I, I can find guys that can score the basketball. But a good basketball team – needs the things that Jordan Miller does. Uh, so I think, I think I'm starting with him. Gary, is Miami a basketball school now? <laughs> if he keeps this up, it is. I mean, like, <laughs> like if, you look, if you look at, like, what this guy is doing, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. you know, between what they did last year, the, the way he's picking the right transfers to pursue, 
the way he's pulling these teams together and getting them to play with, with each other uh, in, in, as a team. I mean, Nigel Pack struggled at the beginning of the year, probably due to the pressure of coming to the uh, ACC and, and a new team and all that. Well, about a month into the season, this guy's just hitting a, gro- a groove, man. Like, you see the improvement, you see the player development, uh, and you see the team chemistry that Coach L is able to uh, orchestrate, and he's making it a basketball well, I'll tell you that. I don't know if you've been to any of these home games recently, Alex, but uh, it's become pretty electric in yeah. that arena. Uh, the students are engaged, and uh, they're just doing a great job top to bottom with that basketball program. Well, well said. This man does great work. Gary Furman, publisher at canesport.com. Gary, thank you so much for the time and the insight. We'll talk to you again later. Anytime, guys. Love it. All right, so keep it locked right here. We're going to talk a little Inter-Miami with Thomas Rong and color analyst when we come back. Keep it locked right here to Hawk and Crowder, AM560 Sports, WQAM. This is the Hawk and Crowder Show. Oh, he kicked the hell out that one. Goal! Hawk and Crowder. If I've learned anything from our next guest who joins us here on Hawk and Crowder, it's that if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. That's what I learned from Thomas Wrong, an Inter-Miami CF color analyst. Season's coming back. Uh, MLS, Inter-Miami going to be opening up uh, this weekend, February 25th, at home against CF Montreal. Mr. Rongan, it's been a minute, my friend. How are you? It certainly has. Back at you, my favorite Italian, and obviously Dan Day, the rocker, always positive. I don't know if she ain't got much, but uh, former Dolphin players, I played for Joe Robbie and Tim Robbie for the Footwear Strikers, so we got something in common. Yeah, can't wait to talk about MLS into Miami, maybe some international football as well. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of excitement down here, Thomas, uh, with Joseph Martinez coming in. I know that uh, you know the, the Venezuelan population down here in South Florida, very pumped. And, and this guy used to boss the league. So h- how do you see Joseph Martinez uh, fitting down here in South Florida and, and with Inter-Miami? Yeah, that's a huge piece to the puzzle, in particular because you lost Iguain. And, and you can say Iguain was always... You know, on his way down beyond his uh, capabilities, but still the leading goal scorer. Uh, so huge to replace him with another lethal striker, younger striker in Joseph Martinez. Uh, only time will tell that injury uh, a year ago. Uh, is his speed there yet? Uh, he scored some goals since his injury, but uh, still a great addition with Leo Campana finally uh, being a full Inter Miami. Uh, player after they made it a permanent deal from Wolves that was loan. Now they bought him, so that's very important. Two important pieces as well. You put Robinson in the mix in terms of your depth chart. Lasseter, uh, yes. I mean Joseph is huge. I coached in the first year in MLS, and Roy Lasseter scored 28 goals. That record mm. stood till 2019 when Joseph Martinez scored 31 goals in one season. So. I know what it takes to put the ball in the back of the net uh, through my years as coaching in the MLS, and Martinez clearly uh, will excite the crowd, but it's, it's explosive, exciting speed. And it's a little bit the old-fashioned way. Full 4-2, a big man in Leo Campana, and let Joseph just play off him, underneath him with his mobility. I think that's a really good one-two punch. And Thomas, uh, Martinez, he's the big name, but what about how there's, you know, 
finishing out this roster? Are we going to be able to compete with all the additions they made this offseason, adjusting things? Is this going to be a team that we're we're going to have to go up to Fort Lauderdale to watch? I think you have to. I mean, I, I watched their last preseason game, 2-2 against Austin, and the addition of players. Listen, they could have gone different directions, but they said, you know what? We need goals. Here's Joseph Martinez. We need a center back. Here is a very experienced, and I'm telling you, this guy can play in Shirley Kristofs, the Ukrainian international. We need a left back. Here comes an Argentinian 28-year-old, Franco Negrian, who's played really well in preseason. And we still need, with the loss of Pozuelo, another you know, important piece last year, we need somewhat of an attacking midfielder, the guardian Nicolas Stefanelli. Um, you know, you combine it with Gregory uh, Duke, uh, Jean Cortin, which we didn't really see much last year, but the French uh, player as well. You had Taylor to the mix, Pizarro, because his loan deal to Mexico fell through. So he's back in the mix and played quite well in the last game as well. Jean Mota in midfield, Yetlin, Negri, as I said, a left fullback, McVeigh and Christoph. And then they've added depth. And I think that Shannon Crowder, as a, as a former Dolphin player, knows you need depth. In, in all positions to be successful, uh, injuries, uh, not playing well. And I think they've done that, you know, at, with the Taylors, the Pizarros, uh, the Bryce Dukes, uh, obviously, Allen, um, Sailor, Mabika, in goal with Callender and, and Marsman. They're pretty good as well. Are they going to win the East? No. Are they going to be in the upper half? Without a doubt. Are they going to make the playoffs? Although, Every team almost makes the playoffs nowadays, 65% make it top nine of each division, which is a little crazy. But yeah, I'm excited about this team. It looks like a good footballing team that still needs to get come together. We'll, we'll get a much better indication on Saturday in their first game, obviously, against uh, Montreal. And that's going to be Saturday, 7.30 p.m. You can hear Thomas Rongan on that call. Uh, you know, Thomas, I'm, I'm sweating bullets uh, because we got Champions League action coming up here in a few minutes with my beloved, uh, my other beloved Inter, Inter Milan hosting Porto. And uh, your, your thoughts on, on the way that, uh, that the round of 16 is progressing so far. Do you have a Champions League favorite? I, I, I do now, <laughs> although we're not sure how good Liverpool, how bad Liverpool has become. Liverpool mm. was in, they were at one point in time, they could have won four trophies. They won two. They lost the EPL at one point to, to Manchester City and they lost at home in their worst ever European outing, 5-2 against Real Madrid. So I wouldn't bet against the reigning champs. There are some outsiders like Manchester City looking in, Bayern Munich potentially, and I'm telling you, one or two of the Italian teams, but also one or two of the Portuguese teams could be a threat and a dark horse, not to win it, but to go very far. And one of those teams is obviously Porto playing against your beloved uh, teams as well, Dono. Yeah. Hey, nice to see Lukaku scoring again. So now you get the option who plays off Latoro. Is it Zeko and Lukaku off the bench? Martinez on a tear since the World Cup, solid defensively. Uh, Inzaghi and Concesao, the coach of Porto and the coach of Inter, obviously played together at Lazio. They're very, very good tacticians. In, in particular, these two teams don't give up a lot of goals. So this is going to be a very tight affair. I expect Inter, though, to get the better of Porto today in the Champions League. It starts, by the way, in five minutes. 
Yeah, your mouth to God's ears. Uh, Thomas Rongan, uh, enjoy all, all the prep. Uh, you're a hardworking man. Enjoy everything that goes into getting ready for the season opener. And we will be listening this Saturday when Inter-Miami take on Montreal. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, keep being great, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. Take care. Awesome. What a guy. Uh, we're going to kick off the 3 o'clock hour when we come back, I know Dan's got the, well, hopefully, I know that there's the, the studios like falling apart over there, like Apollo 13, but you know, <laughs> maybe we'll have the 305 along. Every time Crowder, every time I look at Dan Day, uh, his his face is like a different shade of, of purple because he's he's trying to like, uh, like duct tape some of the equipment back there. Dan, are you doing all right over there? <laughs> Yesterday was Mardi Gras. Today, the hangover. <laughs> it's tough, Dan. Keep it together, man. We see you working hard. We'll kick off a, we'll kick off a big three o'clock hour next year on Hawk and Crowder. This is the Hawk and Crowder Show. To a tag of Leo. Hawk and Crowder.